0: This evening, we're we're carrying on our our short series of being amazed uh, by Jesus, focusing on him. And tonight, David's going to be preaching on uh, amazed by Jesus by his delays. Uh, So we're going to read from John chapter 11. John chapter 11. Uh, That's page 897, or if you've got a large print on 1066. 1066. But John chapter 11, verses 1 to 16. Let's listen to God's words to us. Now, a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you and you're going there again. Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he will recover. Now, Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking rest in sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there so that you may believe. Let us go to him. So Thomas called the twin Said to his fellow disciples, Let us go also go that we may die with him.
1: Amen. As you find John's Gospel, chapter 11, again, let me explain what I want to do this evening. I want us to linger this evening inside one of the biggest, littlest words in the Bible. I want us to linger inside one of the biggest, littlest words. In the Bible. If you're uh, familiar with Trinity, if you've been here a while, you know that our, our normal practice is to work through whole books of the Bible. That seems to be the way that God himself, <laughs> himself has spoken, hasn't it? Given us whole books, we normally work through them, but occasionally, probably at least once a year, we try to have a topical series or uh, to look at a doctrine, and like Will said, at the minute we're looking very closely at surprising ways in which the Lord Jesus Christ is amazing. And this evening, this passage in front of us, the the amazingness of the Lord Jesus is bound up in one tiny word. Will read to us the first 16 verses of John chapter 11. It is, of course, an incredible story, the raising of Lazarus. And this story, the raising of Lazarus, has in it one of the greatest surprises in the whole of the Bible— and it is not the raising of Lazarus itself. Now, you might think that, of course, mightn't you, looking at John chapter 11, uh, reading the whole chapter, "A dead man coming back to life." It, it just doesn't happen, does it? It doesn't happen today. It doesn't happen in the first century. Dead is dead is dead. And the glorious miracle that the Lord Jesus does, it is a surprise in the first century world. It is a surprise in our world. But it is not the greatest surprise that there is in this passage. No, the greatest surprise is one of the biggest, littlest words in the Bible. Look at verse 5. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister, and Lazarus. So, so, when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. So, there's the word, verse 6. It it is a little word, isn't it? It it, it is exactly the same word that is often translated as, therefore, therefore. Therefore, when he heard that Lazarus was ill, so so, so look at it again, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Therefore, when he heard that Lazarus was ill, what are you expecting next? What, what, What are you expecting to follow? So therefore, when the news reached him, when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he and his disciples made haste quickly, as quickly as they could to Bethany. That's normal, right? That's what you'd expect. Don't you think that Jesus' actions at the start of this story are surprising to say the least? They are, in fact, amazing. What a strange strategy in the the face of Lazarus' illness and death, delaying his journey to their home. So, therefore, a little word, but it is one of the biggest words in the Bible because it carries a world of meaning for us that this evening I just want us to linger inside. I wonder if we can do that. Do you think we can spend a whole sermon on one word? Some preachers do it on a verse, don't they? Do you think we can do it on a word, a tiny word? Here's why I want us to do it. Because our goodbyes that we say to those whom we love are as painful as this goodbye here. Two women lose their brother. A family is torn apart by grief. It is real pain and a real goodbye. Some of you have said one this year, haven't you, to a loved one? It could be that somebody you know, somebody close to you is preparing to die and you are preparing to say goodbye, what will you say? What will your final words be? And it doesn't have to be death. Pain enters our lives in all sorts of forms, doesn't it? The the tears that you cry are as real as these women's tears. The pain that you carry is as piercing as their pain. So here is the question. When Jesus hears of their pain, why then does he wait? Why delay? I want us to make the surprise of verses five and six. I want us to make the surprise even greater, even bigger before we try and dive into it and take the layers of it. You see, look at, look at the verses again. If if Jesus just hears that Lazarus is ill, and then verse 6 says, so therefore he stayed two days longer. Well, that would be our first scratch of the head, isn't it? He hears that Lazarus is ill, so he waits. That's surprising. But actually, John is giving us more than that, isn't he? Look, look at what comes immediately before verse 6 and verse 5. Now, Jesus loved Martha, and her sister, and Lazarus. Therefore, so, when he heard that he was dying, he stayed. You you really have to let your eyes go back and forwards over verses 5 and 6 to take in what these verses are saying. He loved, so, stayed. He loved them so he delayed. This is one of the reasons why we switched several years ago from the NIV as our church Bible to the ESV, the Bible that you have in front of you, the the English Standard Version. The English Standard Version is not perfect. We didn't switch because all of a sudden uh, we had the, the dream translation. It is not perfect, far from it. I think sometimes in places the ESV is a little bit wooden and too literal in the way it 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 handles things. But the ESV does a very good job with the Bible's staple words. You know what the staple words are? Uh, A word that comes at the start of a sentence that just staples it to the sentence that came before. And verses 5 and 6 are stapled together, aren't they, with a conjunction. So, therefore, and reading the Bible well means taking the staple words Seriously, really seriously. See, the NIV, New International Version, says this, verse 5, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Verse 6, yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was. What the NIV does is it sets verses 5 and 6 against each other. He loved them, but he stayed. Yet he stayed. The problem is that the little word yet is not the right translation of the conjunction. Here's what you miss. Here's what you have in front of you if you're using the ESV. Here's what is right. Jesus' two-day delay is motivated by his love. See that? It is motivated by his love. It is not in opposition to his love. He loved them so he delayed. His love is the reason for his delay. His love causes the delay. Brothers and sisters, there is a world of meaning for you and me here in our sorrows, in that little word. There is medicine for our souls here. Just take it in. Jesus Loved them. Go back to verse two, the way this beautiful story unfolds. Look at, look at the way John paints his picture in verse two. Aren't these words of deep affection? It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her, with her hair. Actually, if you're reading John for the first time, we haven't yet come to that story it's about to follow but john can't can't help himself he can't stop himself showing how close these people are to each other how much they love the lord and how much he loves them and because jesus loves them friends get this because he loves them he lets lazarus die isn't it amazing He loved them, so he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. He loved them, so he did not run to relieve their pain. He loved them, therefore he did nothing. Can you feel how big that little word so is? If there's a God why does he allow suffering you've been asked that question of course you have i suspect you've maybe been asked it recently it's come my way in different forms if there is a god of love why this fill in the blanks god of love and suicide bomb in afghanistan syria are you blind you christian people can't can't you see why doesn't your god of love do something And John says to us here that the Christian answer to that question is so unusual, so unexpected. We need to take that answer to our pains this evening. If you are someone who loves the Savior, and in your sorrow you know that Jesus loves you, here is the huge surprise that love does not always mean what we think it should mean. Love does not always mean what we think it should. You see, whenever you hear the word love, who defines that word for you? God is love. Where do you get your definition of love from? Some of you remember the 1960s, traditional marriage broke down, and free love was the term, wasn't it? Doing the round, sleep with whoever you want, whenever you want, however you want. Love is free. And it didn't take long, of course, did it? Before people were asking, really? If love is free, why is my heart broken? You see, we, we tend to have easy and natural definitions of love, don't we? There, there's one in our passage. Look, look down to verse 34. This is after Jesus has traveled to be with Mary and Martha. He's made it there, verse 34. He said, said to them, where have you laid him? they said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. See, yes, we get that, don't we? That's right, isn't it? That is love. The the tears at the graveside, the, the moving eulogy at the funeral, the heartache, the sorrow. Yes, all of that looks like love, doesn't it? It feels like love. Of course it is love. But into all of that, John says, yes, I want you to, into all of that, make space for verses 5 and 6, definition of love. And I want to ask you this evening, if your view of love includes a verse like this. We think love means immediate, don't we? Now, today, end of pain, end of suffering. We think love means removal of pain. Eradication, instant. We think love means present, now, not patience tomorrow. This one tiny word is here to turn our world on its head and say that Jesus demonstrates his love often with delay. Can we take this in? It's not just that there is delay and that there is love, two separate things. John is saying the delay is the evidence of the love. The very thing we take as evidence of unloving, as not loving, is the thing Jesus is saying is evidence of the love. Mary and Martha feel that what is now is ultimate. Don't they? Look at verse 21. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now, Lord, please. Now. Today, Lord. It's these tears. It's, it's this grief. It's today's sorrows I want you to fix. Look at verse 32. When Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now, no, no! please. The whole of this sermon this evening, friends, comes down to, to one simple point. The delays of the Lord Jesus in our lives are not unloving. For look what he says. The delays of Jesus are not unloving. Look what he says, verse 4. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Verse 14, Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died, and for your sake I am glad that I was not there, so that you may believe. Look at verse 40. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? It is the delay, friends, which most clearly, most truly, most perfectly shows who Jesus is. It is the death of Lazarus, which he overcomes, that displays his glory to the world. And so he is saying here, it is not the now, it is not today, which is ultimate. No, what is ultimate is what God knows he is doing by delaying. See that? Isn't that what Jesus is showing us? What is ultimate is what God knows he is doing by delaying. See, in this whole story, this beautiful story of the death and resurrection of Lazarus, the Lord Jesus is teaching us that he is not an only so far savior so far as sickness. I'm here among you. Yes, I can heal the sick. I can cast out demons. I can calm the storm. I can feed the hungry. That's how much I am with you, but only so far, only those things. No, that, that is not the Savior we know and love, is it? And that is precisely what he's showing us here. I am not with you and for you only as far as those things. No, I am with you and for you in the face of death itself. This delay in John chapter 11 is is to allow death to do its work and to do its best so that when he defeats it, it is the very thing he uses to display his glory. Do you see how all of this turns Martha and Mary's if-only questions back on themselves? If only you'd been here, Lord. If- Only, if only you'd come. The Lord Jesus is saying to them, but what if the now of today is less than the then of tomorrow? What if I gave you what you wanted today and it would give you less tomorrow than I'm intending to give you? What if I am working out my glory in the world so that your sorrow and struggle is merely one part of the greatest display of my goodness and grace that the world has ever seen? I I see your tears now. Of course I do. I see your pain. But what if one day those very tears and that very pain will give way to a scale of joy and happiness and delight which you would not have had if you had not had the tears? Is it possible that God can work this way? Can we trust him to be big enough and good enough to work like that? You know, I, I'm sure for some of us, if we're honest, that just seems too hard. What, what, what could he possibly be working for then, which is better than how he could help me today? I, I can tell him how he can help me today. John's gospel, John chapter 11, the Lord Jesus teaches us to say, I do not know what he's working to. I don't know. But I do know that I want to trust someone who has entered death, destroyed death, reached down into the grave, pulled death out and broken it in half and left death conquered. And so I simply want to ask us this evening, each of us individually, where are we with the delays of our Savior? Where are you this evening with the delays of the Lord Jesus in your life? What are you filling the delay with? Bitterness? Patience? Faith? Questions? Maybe a, a mix of all of those things together? Oh, we are human, aren't we? I don't know about you, but I take such great comfort from Mary and Martha in this story. Look at them here. They're so normal, aren't they? So broken, so impatient, so urgent, so perplexed, so different from each other. Martha goes quickly while Mary stays and then later Mary goes running. They, they love Jesus and they are so unaware that he loves them on an entirely different level for he loves them so that they will get to see his glory. See, I think from verse 2, John chapter 11, verse 2, it's clear, isn't it? These are some of the Lord's closest friends in his earthly ministry, his, his days on earth. I think this family is particularly special to him. There is a special affection here. But the love of Jesus for these three individuals, it, it is a picture, isn't it, of how the Lord Jesus loves his people. See, it's, it's not true that Jesus loves Martha and Mary and Lazarus But he just tolerates you. You're just a pale reflection of that family. No, it's it's not right. It's not right to say he loved them, but he just puts up with me. No, he is the son of the father's love, who comes into the world to bring God's love into the world on full display, with the volume turned way up and the color set to maximum. Remember the Apostle Paul? He said, the life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me. Who loved me and gave himself for me. Same Apostle Paul when he's writing to Christians in Ephesus. Do you remember what he says? He says, I want you to know what I'm praying for you. I want you to know the breadth and the height and the length and the depth of the love of Jesus for you. And that is a love, he says, that surpasses knowledge. Oh, our friends, I want you to see this evening as we read this story that the Lord Jesus loves you and loves you more than you can ever imagine, more than you can ever plumb the depth of it. It surpasses knowledge how much he loves you. And I want you to see that he loves you like this, like this. See, I don't know about you, but I I can think of a whole world of ways in which I would like the Lord Jesus to love me. Give me this, please, Lord. Answer this prayer, please. Lord, if you took that away from me, it would surely be a clear sign of your love. If you gave me A, B, C, that would be love on full display. Look, John says to us, can you take this in? The greatest thing God can give you in loving you, the greatest thing he can give you is to give you a sight of Christ's glory. That's the greatest thing he can give you. It's astonishing, isn't it? It's not how I want to define love. It's not what I want it to be. The greatest thing God can give me in loving me is to give me a sight of Christ's glory. Do you know where I think this leaves us, friends? Do you know where I think this puts us, what it shows us about ourselves? I think it shows us we have no idea how glorious Jesus is. Such little grasp of how glorious Jesus is. Oh, if we could see him in all his glory, we would fall at his feet and be satisfied forever in his presence with nothing given to us from him, simply to see him would satisfy us forever. Merely being with him and near him would be enough. Do you remember what happens as the Lord Jesus is transfigured? He has Peter, James, and John, and they see the face of Jesus. What does the Bible say? Shining like the sun. Shining like the sun. It's one of those moments where God is just pulling back the curtain of the incarnation. If you like, he's just lifting the veil and the glory of God the sun is breaking out into the earth. And it's like there are, for a brief moment, two suns in the universe. The the sun shining in heaven and God's sun on earth shining as bright as that sun. We love seeing the sun, don't we? We love it when it comes out, most of us do. It makes for a glorious weekend when the sun is out. Yesterday... It took us by surprise, didn't it? The last day of summer, perhaps. We pay for the sun, don't we? we? We travel to the sun. We fly to the sun. But we never, ever stare at the sun, do we? We never stare at the sun. It is so bright, so powerful. To get any closer to it would destroy us. This Jesus here in verses 5 and 6 of John chapter 11, this Lord Jesus here who loves his people so intensely that he burns with the glory of the noonday sun so that one day that sun itself will hang its head. It will bow before him. It will not be needed because of his glory, his brightness. The sun will say, my work here is done. My time is finished. The eternal Son, S-O-N, will be our Son. And you see that shining of Jesus in the transfiguration on the mountain that Peter, James, and John see. They, they see the heavens open and the Father says, This is my beloved Son. I delight in Him. And the Father and Son from all eternity are turned towards each other in endless bliss and delight. Oh, to see the glory of God the Son makes God the Father infinitely happy. He is eternally delighted in the glory of his Son. And Jesus says here, he loves us in a way that is preparing us to see that glory. His delays are the strategy of his glory. You see it? Every single thing he is doing in the world, every heartache that we have ever borne, every tear that we have ever wept, somehow spectacularly, somehow it is not unloving, but somehow part of the very fabric of glory that he is weaving together to display who he is to us and to the world. One day a universe will praise him, a world will adore him, a people without number will fall before him, treasure him forever as the greatest delight in the galaxy. All John says to us this evening is, can we trust him? Can we trust him? Do we want to trust him? I think it's the question the passage asks, isn't it? Verse 26, you see it explicitly. What does Jesus say? Do you believe this? Do you believe this? What what helps me believe this evening, friends, is what I said a few moments ago. These are the words of someone who has come out the other side of death. The very thing that causes us most suffering, most pain if he entered it and broke it, somebody who has done that, I can trust him with my life. So I want to finish this evening. We're going to finish just by taking a moment of quiet, because I think we're all different, aren't we? I think our prayers this evening are probably different. Some of us simply this evening want to express joy, don't we, to Christ? Joy that Our goodbyes to our loved ones in Jesus are not forever goodbyes. The pain that we feel in losing people who belong to Christ, we know that they are safe with him. He has entered death and destroyed death. Some of us simply want to say thank you to God for that. Some of us are living with pain. Our prayer is simply, Lord, help me trust that the now of today is less than the glory of tomorrow. Help me trust. Some of us need patience, don't we? Delays are hard, very hard. Don't know what you're like with them when they enter your life. Everything is immediate, isn't it, around us? Absolutely everything is immediate. One click, same day delivery. Listen to John Calvin. We are taught by Christ's delay that we must not reckon the love of God by the present state of things. We are taught by Christ's delay that we must not reckon the the love of God by the present state of things. If you look at how things are now today, it will not tell you how God loves you. Often he delays his help when we ask either that he may sharpen our zeal in praying or that he may exercise our patience and at the same time get us used to obedience. Therefore, we must pray for God's help to learn to suspend our own wishes if he undertakes to help more slowly than our need seems to demand. Although he may delay, he never sleeps, nor is he ever forgetful of his own And some of us simply want to lift our hearts in wonder, don't we? Wonder that the glory of God is here in Christ Jesus, his son, the Savior we know and love and treasure and cherish. Amen.